I'm coming to your cities. I recently did an event in New York. It was awesome. I loved bringing real couples up on stage. We had no idea what was going to happen. The crowd loved it. I was sharing real numbers. It was a blast. And I want to do it again. I'm looking to coach couples on stage at my next two live events, one in Philly on June 1st, one in Boston on June 4th. If you and your partner want help connecting over money, you want to solve a big financial challenge you have, please apply at iwt.com slash live coaching. If you and your partner struggle to come up with a shared vision of your rich life, if you have different priorities about spending and saving, if you just can't get on the same page financially, I would love to coach you live on stage in your city. It is free of charge. You can apply at iwt.com slash live coaching. I'll see you in Boston and Philly. Recently, I had an event in New York City. I had hundreds of people come and I brought actual real couples up on stage and did a mini podcast right there in front of everyone. It was awesome. And I'm very pleased to announce that I'm doing two more events. I want to let you know about it before anyone else knows. June 1st, I'm going to be in Philadelphia. June 4th in Boston. If you want tickets, you can get them at iwt.com slash philly and iwt.com slash boston. Between now and May 3rd, you can use the pre-sale code RICHLIFE to get tickets. Again, June 1st, I'll see you in Philly and June 4th in Boston, iwt.com slash philly and iwt.com slash boston. Part of me is resentful that to Mike that he like wanted this house so bad and that now we have all these things to maintain renting was easier some days i'm like god i just want to move back into our camper van so we can travel the country this just feels like a burden like this isn't necessarily what i wanted yeah we did decide to do this together part of me is like i just did this for you there was a lot of time to bring these concerns up in the process of buying the house and to really stop us there yeah and i remember a lot of fights about it too and I don't feel like my needs are important. I think because I'm just so resentful about it that I'm like, just screw it all. (laughs) And how can you do this with the two of you and you're about to incur more stress than you've ever had in your life with a baby? Yeah. I'm terrified. (laughs) Are you terrified enough to make a change? Yeah. Kate? I'd like you to meet Mike, who's 29, and Kate, who is 32. Mike is a chef, and Kate is a wellness advisor for a spa resort. Now, in their application, they wrote this sentence describing their situation. He wrote, we are closing on a house next week and also just found out she's pregnant. I think today you're going to be quite surprised with the direction of this conversation. So let's jump right in. How long until the baby comes? Due date is beginning of September. And financially speaking, what has changed since you found out you were pregnant? Two weeks after we were pregnant, we closed on our first home. Wow. That is a fixer-upper. And our home is important to us because we have... It's a very small house, but it's on a lot of land. Mm -hmm. Because being able to provide food for ourselves through farming is also really important. So that way we don't have to rely on the grocery store as much anymore. That was the motivating factor of our house was that it's a small house, perfect, not a lot to maintain. It wasn't maintained though. So there is a lot to put into it financially. And it all happened at the same time. Okay. So you bought a house, house, (laughs) bought a house, you found out you were pregnant and were you, and so what brings you here? Why now? Um, well, we, I feel like we were doing really well until we got the house. I had read your book and I had automated investing, automated savings, and I had a pretty good savings. I had some investments and I pretty much used all of it to get the house. And I was the one that was really keeping track of our money and kind of in conflict with Kate over spending. And then once we got the house and I kind of abandoned the automation and all that, now she's the one that is 
keeping track of the money and worrying about credit and uh, like just looking up at it. And I almost given up, like just kind of said, okay, you're, you're in charge of the money now. And I, I don't like that. We're not really on the same page about it. And I, I guess there's something going on there with me that, that kind of just, I don't know. I like gave up when we got the house. It took so much to get the house that I felt defeated. And it was like, oh, this work has kind of gone to nothing. And now it's like all the money is going towards fixing up the house. Okay. Did you expect this when you went to buy the house? You know, how much it was going to cost for the down payment and all that stuff? Yeah. Okay. And I was like, well, I have this savings. That's what it's for. And I have this investment. That's what it's for, right? Okay. And then what changed? Uh, I don't know. I, all all the work of the house, I guess. Expected or not expected? Uh, I expected to handle it easier. Mm-hmm. I think. Why'd you buy the house? The land, so that way we can have farm. We just got chickens today. Um, <laughs> um, but mostly the land, so that way we can provide food for our family. And this idea of providing food, did you both grow up doing something similar? No. Oh, well, that's interesting. What Do you think that there's a financial conflict here? Well, we just kind of got on the same page, but we were arguing over uh, buying a mattress. There was some conflict around and I wanted one, she didn't. All right, walk me through it. I think Kate actually brought up the mattress first, like sent me the link to the mattress. And then I was like, yeah, let's do it. It was a pretty expensive mattress. And I think what... Hold on, how us- expensive? Uh, ended up being like 23, 22. Okay. Yeah. That's all right. That's that's a good price mattress. And so what happened then? I said, let's do it. And um, we had to put it on a credit card. Or okay. We actually used a, a payment plan, the Affirm thing through... Oh, God. All right. Online or whatever. Both of us put a lot of emphasis into quality products that are non-toxic and I'm pregnant and have a baby and the baby's going to be in our room and I don't want those off-gassing chemicals. And so that was what was most important to me in a mattress, regardless of the price. Okay. How did you decide how much you could afford? Can I go out on a limb and guess? Mm-hmm. Okay. Can I guess that you had problems sleeping you said, we got to get a new mattress. You found a mattress you liked and cost wasn't really part of the equation at all. Yeah. Wow. That's so shocking. And was there any point where either one was like, 2,400 bucks, that's like a lot. Could we get one for less? Uh, yeah, that did come up. Who but we up? wanted a mattress that didn't have, uh, it, that was a little safer and more natural. Okay, so let, let me ask you, Kate, where's the conflict here? It sounds like one person wanted a new mattress. You both found one. You bought it and it, you can afford it. I think it's like more within ourselves than anything, even more than with each other. What is it within you? Like you don't want to have a payment plan, okay? Yeah, and so I've always just been, when money comes in, I'll save what I can, but I am here to enjoy my life. And now I'm like, oh my God, we have no savings and we have a baby coming and I'm going to have a cut in pay. And so now I have this like inner turmoil of, I can't believe I haven't been saving more my whole life. I'm fearful of not being able to provide for our child. Well, you're going to be able to provide food. You got the chickens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. what are you fearful of not being able to provide? There are a few moments in people's lives where they really genuinely care about money. And the major ones are getting married, having children, as you just heard Kate say, getting divorced and retiring. But because most of us don't really actively think about money on a regular basis, we don't actually know how to act in those moments. It would be like me asking you, how are you going to react next time you get in a car crash? You're like, I don't know. You've probably never been in one. In times of uncertainty, we look to other people for cues. And this is why the first time you eat at a fancy restaurant, you observe the person next to you. You see how they use their fork. 
And it's also why people say identical phrases when it comes to moments like having children. They'll say things like, I want to provide for our kids. I want to give them everything I didn't have. I don't want them to struggle like I did. And my favorite one of all, now that we're having kids, we need a house with a lawn and an SUV. Do you? Do you really? And what does providing for a child mean? Can we get specific? These are the kind of conversations that are so important to have before one of these life situations happens to you. Otherwise, you might find yourself just looking to others for cues and doing exactly what everybody else does. If you ever follow me on Instagram, sometimes you'll see me post about my behind-the-scenes travel experiences, coffee tours, salsa-making classes in Mexico, all kinds of culinary stuff in India. And I'll get a lot of people saying, where do I find that Kyoto notepad maker that you found? And one place you can find that is Viator. In fact, my wife and I used Viator to book a Segway tour where we took a tour of a new city and we had an amazing experience, something we never would have thought of doing on our own. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. And with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everybody. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real travel reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best travel activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Picture this. You're at the end of your life, on your deathbed, surrounded by your loving family. Everyone's holding your hand, lots of tears. And you tell them, I have one last gift to give you. And everybody's looking around wondering, what is it? Is it a lesson? No. You pull out a golden envelope, you hand it to them, and you say, it's a term life insurance policy. You're all going to be okay. And as the darkness envelops your eyes, you say one final thank you. Thank you, Ramit Sethi, for making sure I understood the importance of term life insurance. Look, you may be laughing at your morbid description of your death, but one of the most valuable things you can do is to plan for your family. Most of us think of life as one linear line that's always going up. But the truth is, things happen. You could get hit by a bus tomorrow. And so what do you do if your family depends on you? Well, one of the best things you can do is protect them. And one of the best ways to do that is to make sure you are set up with term life insurance. Today's episode is sponsored by Fabric by Gerber Life. Fabric by Gerber Life was designed by parents for parents to help get you a high quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. With over 1,600 five-star reviews on Trustpilot, you can feel confident that you're getting a high-quality policy that's perfect for your family. It's online. It's on your own time. And in addition to term life insurance, Fabric can help parents get set up with wills, access to college savings funds, and more. To me, part of a rich life is being honest. We are all going to die one day. Therefore, we've got to protect ourselves. So make sure you are protected and move on with your life. Protect your family today with Fabric by Gerber Life. Apply today in just 10 minutes at meetfabric.com slash Ramith. That's meetfabric.com slash Ramith. M-E-E-T, fabric.com slash Ramith, R-A-M-I-T. You could be offered coverage instantly with no health exam required. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. Security and stability. What does that mean? We are choosing to spend more money on like we have an we put a lot of emphasis on spending on our grocery budget so that way we can buy good food. I am afraid that's going to go away when cuz especially cuz we're just starting our farm and um I'm like putting that above paying my loans. I'm just not paying them right now. And so I'm making that choice, but then that becomes like, what if these things get taken away from me because I'm not paying what I'm supposed to be on my student loans because I'm not paying those right now. Okay. And so I have a lot of conflict about that. It doesn't sound like you're conflicted. I feel conflicted. (laughs) Or I feel not even conflicted. I feel fearful that my choices are going to backfire on me because I don't, I just don't know yet. Okay. Uh, It just feels like I need to 
go get more money to make her feel safer and to make us, I mean, I feel the same way. I feel concerned that having a baby is going to cost us a lot more money and we're going to need more. Yeah. And you probably are. So what are you going to do about that? Looking at buying a diner. (laughs) What? What the fuck? Starting a restaurant. I'm a chef and starting my own restaurant. Wait, what? Have you run a restaurant before? Yeah. You ran it? No, I didn't own it, but I ran it. Yes. Did it make money? Yeah, a lot of money. All right. All right. Fine. Uh, good. All right. So that's an option. You you want to earn more money. Theoretically, you might start a restaurant. Okay. Would that solve the problem here? I'm trying to understand the real problem. You bought a house. You're having a baby. You bought a $2,400 bed. <laughs> What's the problem? We're racking up debt and not able to rack up savings. I agree with that. Kate, do you agree with that? 100%. Okay. And is that a problem? Yeah. It is. Why, Kate? Because I have, a couple years ago, I had, I was making a lot of money. I started my own business while I was doing that. And I was spending money like I was still earning $55 an hour and racked up incredible debt. How much debt? Total, like 27000 Is that credit card debt? Credit card debt. Okay. And how long? Like six months. Mm, okay. And is that debt still around? $17,000 left. Um, but both of those credit cards closed because I wasn't making payments. And so I'm very fearful of that happening again. Why are you fearful? What was the consequence for you? Mike. <laughs> Which I don't even know why I care about this so much, but like my credit score tanked. And now, like, I couldn't even, I'm not on our mortgage. I'm on our deed, but I'm on our mortgage because no one will approve me because my credit or my credit is shot and I don't have great payment history. That limits me and being able to help Mike with certain things, even though I'm still paying like half of everything I need to pay. Um, but like I'm not on the mortgage because they won't approve me. Nobody will approve me for anything. What do you think of your relationship with money, Kate? How would you describe it? It's changed. I I used to be like, whatever, it comes easily. Money flows in, money flows out. And then since learn like since being pregnant, that has like drastically changed. And now I'm like, oh my God, money doesn't flow in anymore. It's not as easy as it once was. Like now I have a human growing. Mm -hmm. I don't have that same mindset of like easy come, easy go, (laughs) which that was my mindset for 30 years. (laughs) Yeah. What is your mindset now if you had to describe it? All I can think of is like, it's like I'm holding on for dear life and just like extremely rooted in fear. Mm I like know exactly what's in our account. I know exactly where everything's going every month. I'm paying attention to it more than I ever have. I feel like I was spending money on things I didn't necessarily value before. And that didn't really make me feel like I was living the rich life that I wanted to live. And now I'm putting money, I'm definitely spending money more on like what I value and what makes me feel like I'm having a rich life. Well, I don't think anything we've talked about today is about you not spending money on a rich life. You bought a house because it's about your values with food. Yeah. You bought a mattress because it's about your values with health. Right. I don't think that's the question at all. I think you yourself have told me you're fearful because you don't have money coming in and you don't have any savings, right? Yeah, that's also a huge part. We have $0 in savings. So isn't that a bigger problem than living your rich life when you have a baby and yeah. $17,000 of debt? Why are we not talking about that? Yeah, that's a huge thing. I just like pretend it's not there. Yeah, I can tell. And, <laughs> and it's a problem. I'm, st- you know, we've been talking now for quite a while, and I'm trying to get you to tell me what the real problem is. But when I ask, you have a variety of techniques you use to dance around the topic. Actually, my behavior is better than it used to be. You know, I'm actually like spending money meaningfully. If you can't get honest with yourself and with me, then we don't really have a chance of making a change here. Yeah. So would you like to take another crack at this? Kate, are you good with money? 
I'm working on it. That's an interesting answer, but not what I asked. I'm not confident in being good in it, at it at all. Okay. How would I know if you were good? Mm. If I was paying all my loans, if I was paying every bill that we actually had. Okay. That would be good. What yeah. else? <laughs> um, one thing I have done over the past couple months is automate everything. Okay. Don't tell me what you've done. I want to know, how would I know if you were good? Notice what's happening right now. I'm dancing around it. Yeah. My, okay. yeah, my student loan debt and my credit card debt terrify me and I'm completely ignoring them. Okay. I'm not paying, making payments on any of that. And what happens if you keep not making payments on them? I honestly don't know. Nothing's happened with my credit cards. Mike, listening to this, how does it strike you? It's nothing I don't know. You're not surprised? It's not really surprising. No. Mm -hmm. Are you concerned hearing Kate's answers? Uh, yeah. I mean, I've been concerned. This When we got to know each other, she had all of her student loan debt that was also unmanageable. And it's kind of, it's been that way pretty much since I knew her. How long have you two known each other? And then um, when did you both get, are you married? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. How long did you know each other before you got married? Eight years. Okay. And how long have you been married for? It'll be two years in August. All right. So Mike, when you met Kate, she had unmanageable student loans. Did that concern you? Yeah, it it took us a really long time to combine finances because I was afraid of that as well, of like getting into that. Did you tell her? Yeah, I told her that I have my own debts and I'm working on paying that stuff off. And since she was not paying that stuff off, I said I didn't want to help her until she did start paying it. Okay, then what happened? Uh, she paid them a couple of months maybe. And, uh, then we both after much hesitation combined finances and now every, now all of the debt is just both of ours. Why did you combine? We were married. Felt like we should. Okay. All right. Mike, when I asked you how it feels to hear Kate's answers, you said you're not surprised. You've heard it before, I'm sure. I'm hearing this for the first time. I'm surprised and I'm troubled. I'm troubled because Kate doesn't really know the consequences of not paying the debt off. And in fact, Kate is, you're pretty candid, Kate, that nothing really bad has happened. They'll send you more urgent envelopes and you're supposed to pay and you pay a little bit and then you buy yourself a few more months of reprieve. That can work for a while, but it's not really a way to build a healthy family, certainly not a way to build healthy finances. Do you care? So much. Mm, I don't know. You do? <laughs> Tell me how I would know if I walked into your household with a clipboard. How would I know that you care about building a healthy relationship with money? I don't know if you would. Yeah. <laughs> why is that? Why are you dancing around? I mean, I'm not trying to judge you here. I'm trying to understand what's going on. So why do you think that you're dancing with your answers? I don't think I'm looking deep enough to find the truth. Why? Because I don't want to know. Because if you find out, what would it mean? That I have to take responsibility. Mm -hmm. This is extremely fascinating to me. Notice that Kate has created a cobweb of techniques to shield herself from being honest about their money. And to tell you the truth, most of the time, her separate reality works just fine. It's only now that she's starting to feel actual consequences with a baby on the way. She reacts extremely unpredictably, using words like fearful and admitting she doesn't really want to know about her finances because then she'd have to take responsibility. 
There are literally tens of millions of people in America in the same situation. And the truth is throwing the budget at them won't work. Throwing a compound interest chart at them won't work. They're not even at the how stage. In fact, many of them don't even realize what the actual problem is. They just feel bad and they don't know how to interpret that feeling or make sense of it. If you're single, you can get by in this reality distortion field for a long time. But she's married and they're having a baby and now they're facing severe consequences. And I think the worst one of all is that Mike has basically given up on caring about money in their relationship. I get tons of email every single day and I want to give you a behind the scenes look at how I manage emails from my team, from my family, and from you. I use a piece of software called Superhuman and this is an email software that I actually pay for out of my own pocket. It works with your existing email service like Gmail or Outlook. And let me share how it saves me over 10 hours a week. So here are a few things I love about it. First off, it splits my inbox into different streams. So my important emails come into one place. It's not cluttered with a bunch of subscriptions everywhere. Next, I use keyboard shortcuts. Unlike you barbarians who literally click and peck through every single email. U to mark it unread. S to star it. J or K to cycle through messages. I use keystrokes to schedule messages, like when I want to ask one of my coworkers a question, but I don't want to send them an email on a Saturday. Now, I can work through dozens of emails in minutes using this. And Superhuman just introduced an AI feature, which allows you to take a huge email with all these people chiming in and automatically summarize what's going on in a few bullet points. It'll even draft emails for you. So if you want to buy back your time, Superhuman is a no-brainer to me. It's something I spend my own money on, and I love it. Right now, all IWT listeners will get a free month of Superhuman. You can get started at superhuman.com slash Ramit. That's superhuman.com slash Ramit, R-A-M-I-T. I have a friend of mine who's always cold. She told me she and her partner have totally different temperatures when they sleep. She goes to bed in a flannel pajama. She's got extra blankets. Her partner's running hot. So now she recently started testing the pod cover from 8sleep, one of our sponsors. Before she goes to sleep, she gets on the app, cranks up the heat, and when she gets into bed at night, it's already warm and waiting for her. The pod cover by 8sleep fits on your bed like a fitted sheet, and it collects information. It has sensors the pod then uses that information to understand what you need to get better sleep. You can set it to heat up or cool down before you get into bed. It also adjusts while you sleep. And you can set it to change temperatures to gently wake you up in the morning. Best part, there are two zones. So if you run hot and your partner runs cold, you can each set your side of the bed to exactly how you want it. Improve the way you sleep by using my link at 8sleep.com slash Ramit for $200 off plus free shipping on their high-tech pod three cover. That's 8sleep.com slash Ramit, E-I-G-H-T, sleep.com slash Ramit, R-A-M-I-T, for a better, smarter sleep. I've gone the other way where she used to be and just go, I'm not looking at it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you would find anything that shows that I care about money now other than trying to be on the show. You're checked out of money in your relationship. Am I reading that right? Mostly, yeah. Are you checked out because you spent all the money you had saved and invested on this house and now it doesn't feel good? Yeah. Okay. Are you checked out at all because of Kate's relationship with money? I think a little bit is that she's picked up the slack and now where she's looking at the checking account and saying, okay, we have this to spend and that to spend and here's the bills coming up. Mm-hmm. I kind of am like, all right, well, Kate's worrying about it, so I don't need to. Mm. So Kate has now taken over that role. Is she good at it? Uh, yeah, I'd say so. Okay. How would you know if she's good? Uh, we They haven't taken our house. Wow. It's a bit of a low bar, don't you think? Yeah. Like, is that a joke or are you serious? I mean, we have money for food and we have money for gas and we can pay most of our bills, yeah. not including her debts, but we can do what we need to do. 
For me, paying the bills is not being good with money. That's a bare minimum. This table <laughs> stakes. It's like if I asked, you know, you're you're about to become parents, and if I said, um, "Are you a good parent?" and you said, "Yes, I feed my baby," is that enough to be a good parent? No. No. So why would we apply the same thing to our money? Have you two talked about your parenting style? We've started to. Has that series of conversations surprised you at all? Not really. I think that's something both of us have talked deeply about before um, from our own personal wounds as children. Yeah. yeah. Um, and how we were parented. Got it. Okay, great. I'm glad to hear you're having those conversations. Have you ever had similar conversations about money? No. Kate, you, how were you raised? What do you remember about money as a child? It was a source of stress. And my parents would also do whatever they could to make sure we could, my brother and I, could do whatever activities we wanted to do, no matter what the price was. And I was not allowed to have a job. Why is that? Uh, my mom strongly believed that when you're a kid, you're a kid and you don't have to work. But I also now as an adult feel like it was a form of control. Mm, control in the sense of... I need her. Uh, you can't have a job because you're a kid. But secretly, you can't have a job because that would mean you have money, you have independence, you have other things to do besides depending on me. And that's why I went to college. Did you go away for college? Mm -hmm. Was that a source of conflict in your family? Oh, yeah. My mom wanted to keep us as close as possible. Mm -hmm. And I was only allowed to go to school four hours away, mm -hmm. which was fine. I went to school for dance in New York City, and that's what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. But I didn't want to go to school. I just wanted to move there and start dancing. Mm -hmm. And when I told her that, it was a huge fight. And she was like, if you, if you don't go to college, I'm, you're not getting any money from us anymore. And I didn't have a job. I had no idea how to make money. How'd you do it? Student loans. Wow. What do those student loans represent to you now? Anger <laughs> and resentment. Tell me. I'm so angry that I have this debt that I never wanted. And that when I first, my freshman year, I had no concept of money because I was not, it's not a conversation in my household and I wasn't allowed to have a job. And my first year was $30,000 of the loans. And my parents never like raised a red flag. <laughs> like they were like, yeah, that's fine. And so I now have $130,000 of student loans and I have a bachelor of fine arts and dance. Are your parents wealthy? No. <laughs> They're what? upper middle class, middle class. Could they have paid for your college? They paid $10,000 a year and that's what they said they would pay. Okay. And what is their financial status now? I don't really know. Um, my mom just retired. I know now, like now she's all of a sudden having budgets and, oh, I can only spend this much on you for Christmas. I can only spend this much on you for your birthday. Like they also live a life I don't want. Um, so don't really look at what they do for money. They just like, my mom is a shopper. And just like growing up was constantly shopping, constantly buying stuff for the house, constantly doing like, spending money on things. I'm like, why? Like, like for example, would she buy a $2,400 mattress? No, but they'll spend money on like a $25,000 car. To me that we pay for our cars in cash because we don't want the debt. So we're like, wait, to me, that seems like a lot. Hold on. What the <laughs> hell? You pay for your cars in cash because you don't want the debt, but you pay for a mattress with two years of debt. I know. <laughs> well, we bought the cars before we, uh, or the car. Um, I just don't like, I don't, that's also why I was so hesitant about the mattress. I don't want to add another bill to my plate. I don't want to have another payment. I did because I realized that like us fighting every single night was not going to work. Me getting terrible sleep was not going to work. Me freaking out about a, like a mattress laden with chemicals that's going to harm us and the baby was not going to work. Kate, how about having tens of thousands of dollars of debt? Is that going to work? No. 
It's not working. It seems to me that that's the only one that you allowed to play out yeah. to just add on to the debt. Totally. I think because I'm just so resentful about it that I'm like, just screw it all. <laughs> hey, how old are you? I'll be 33 in two weeks. It sounds like in a way, your philosophy with money is I've already lost the game. So I give up. I'm just going to basically play it out until something bad happens to me. Yeah, that sounds accurate. Now, if you were alone, I would say, all right, Kate, well, it's your money. It's not mine. If you want to play that type of game, good luck. But the issue is you are married to Mike and you have a baby on the way. Mm -hmm. So what may seem fun and flippant and something people do in their 20s in New York is actually not that fun. And it's not cool when you have a family, especially when you are the one who earns the primary income. Mm -hmm. But you don't need me to tell you that, do you? No. I'm so glad I get the chance to dive deeper into people's backgrounds on this show. See, if you heard just the first 20 minutes of today's conversation, you might dismiss Kate. But now we learn her parents' role in her taking on $130,000 of debt with a BA in fine arts and dance. Now, we also recognize that she could have taken more responsibility to learn about these debts before she signed the papers. And we can understand why she resents her debt, even hates it, so much so that she simply avoids it. And because her parents never talked about money and she never really learned how it works, she suddenly arrived at this place where they're low on savings, in debt, with a baby on the way, and she has no idea how she should react. I'm still trying to hide. Even though we've been together for a decade, I'm still trying to hide flaws and things that I feel very insecure about and pretend I'm not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you haven't had any consequences, right? Yeah, that's also, I've, there haven't been any consequences. Your parents said, we're giving you 10K. You stayed at college, incurred a lot of debt, still got a car, still got a house, still got groceries. What's the problem? The problem for me now is choosing, now with the house, it's choosing to have a functioning bathroom or pay my loan. And how do you make that decision? I make that decision by what do I feel like I need more at the moment? This is a either or situation. What's more important to me right now? Would you now? say that's a pattern that you've had for a long time? Yeah. What's more important to me? Yeah. The consequences are that we're not able to build a rich life because we're always behind. What do you mean? She told me that she got the mattress and the house and the groceries. She's spending more consciously. Sounds like she's got a rich life. I wouldn't say that. I think um, I think that there's a lot more that we want to do with our money and with our lives than just get the groceries and just pay the bills. I feel incredibly selfish for the debt that I've racked up. And so I put off paying it off because I feel like it's not fair for all this, this like $1,200 a month in like payments that I'm supposed to be making to be going towards the debt that I've racked up because it was all student loans were before my credit cards were during like, um, but it feels too, it feels selfish. We don't have high income. It is week to week, like everything, we're like paycheck to paycheck, that it it feels like this need and this desire and this like, that I need to pay these bills shouldn't fall on Mike. And so I just ignore them because I'm like, well, it's not hurting Mike. It's only hurting me. Hey, can you talk to Mike? Yeah. It's only hurting me, not you. It does hurt me though. It hurts us both as a family and I know that it I know that it's hurting you it causes a lot of conflict about what we want and what we can afford and whether we're 
fixing that bathroom or paying your loans. And then when we say, all right, we're going to do the bathroom, then you've expressed that you felt left out because we're choosing to ignore your loans. I don't ever like want to make my debt a priority when everything is like necessity at the moment. Mike, ask her if that will ever change. Will that ever change? Unless we find ways to like drastically increase our income, I don't think so. Even when we have had a lot more income than this, the loans have always been kind of at the bottom of the pile. There's always been something more important than the loans. There's never been enough to throw at them, no matter how much we make. The payment feels incredibly unmanageable. And it feels like it's just such, always such a huge chunk of our income to like put, like my minimum payment is $850. Like that seems incredibly unmanageable when that's like one of our paychecks for the the week. And so it always just feels like, okay, this has to come last because what else are we going to do? Like this is a, huge payment that I don't know how we're going to, if we, if we decide to pay this, how are we going to pay for food? How are you going to pay for gas to get to work? Mike, go back to your question. Is this ever going to change? Will we ever be able to put money towards those loans and towards that debt? If our current reality stays the same, no. Mike, how does that answer strike you? I feel like that's one of the first honest things Kate has really come out and said. Thank you, Kate, for saying that. Tell her. That strikes me as defeated. I Tell me how you feel, not about her. I feel defeated. Okay. I feel like I don't know how to change things. And I don't know how we'll ever get to pay those loans either. Okay. Both of you look defeated right now. Am I reading that correctly? Yeah. Feel good or bad? Bad. Pretty bad. Mike, my perspective, I'm going to take your perspective for just a second. As if I heard my partner, Kate, just say, I don't really think Things will change in our current situation, et cetera. And my answer would be, that's just not acceptable to me. I'm just not willing to live that kind of life. We're too young. We're too smart to give up on life in our early 30s with a baby on the way. I'm not going to do it, and I won't allow you to do it either. Mike, what would it feel like if you said that? Confident, strong. Yeah. You ever feel like that in a different part of life? Yeah, in the kitchen. Yeah. Tell me about that. What do you feel? How would you describe yourself there? I feel like no matter what comes up or whatever challenges come my way, that I know that I'll be able to figure them out. Hell yeah. You get buried in there. You get too many orders. You're missing some ingredient you know you can figure it out, right? Yeah. All right. Translate that to money here for a second. You don't even have to believe it. Just play for a couple of minutes here, okay? Take that same energy and bring it back to this conversation. I think that no matter no matter how deep we get, we're going to be able to get out of it. It's not a matter of if, it's just when we figure it out. We'll We'll get through this and whether we have to, whatever it is that we have to do, we know that we can do it. We've done it for our whole lives. We've we've been getting through it, and we'll keep we'll continue to keep doing that. Okay. I have a hard time believing it right now. Yeah. Me too. Me too. I think it's because we've gotten stuck in the. I feel like we're stuck in the trap of like, 
we need a house. We need these certain things because that's what normal people do. And I don't want that. Like what? what? You what do you mean? You told me I asked you twice. I know. Part of me does. <laughs> you told me I bought the house because land, and it's very important for us to not be food insecure and to grow our own stuff. Yeah. Is that true or not true? <sighs> some days it's true. And some days I'm like, God, I just want to move back into our camper van so we can travel the country. Like that's what I loved. But there was also a lot of sacrifices that had to be made that didn't always make Mike happy. So now I feel like this house was like, I'm always trying to look for the benefits, but part of it is also like, this just feels like a burden. Like this isn't necessarily what I wanted. Okay, hold on, I would have preferred hold on, hold on, to stay in our camper van. Is it? Is there? <laughs> is there anything in between a camper van and a house, a fixer upper on a ton of land? Is there any possible different type of option in between the two? Like say yeah. something that 99% of America lives in? Yeah, we've rented for so we've rented so much before, and, okay. and? um, and honestly, part of me is resentful that to Mike that he like wanted this house so bad, and that now we have all these things to maintain, and renting was easier. Who who decided to buy the house? I know Mike wants to say we would decided to do this together. And part of us, yeah, we did decide to do this together. Um, and part of me is like, I just did this for you. I think you would have said the same thing in a rental. And it was like, we have all these short-term rentals and the like instability of, I think it was the baby. It was the, okay, we're going to get married and have a baby and get a house and get some stability and start making money. And farm our own land and be able to sustain ourselves and that was why we got the house with the lots of land with the farm i felt like it was there was a lot of time to bring these concerns up in the process of buying the house and to really stop us there yeah, and I remember a lot of fights about it too. And I don't feel like my needs are important. What are your needs? I don't think I've really given enough time to figure it out. Well, Kate, you got a baby on the way. It's time to think about it now. <laughs> yeah, and like, I think that's why our conflict is arising because now I'm like, okay, what do I really want? What do I want to teach? What do I want to display for this baby? Because I can say things all day, but they're gonna, he's going to do what we do. So Kate, can you answer Mike's question? What are your needs? I don't even know what my needs look like. Paying our bills, like paying my student loans is a huge one. And my credit card debt is a huge one. And I did when we moved to the Berkshires, we, I started paying it and you were pissed at me because that money couldn't go towards a down payment. And so I stopped. It was a huge fight. You were pissed. So I stopped paying. I just want to point out this dynamic that's going on here. Mike is genuinely trying to understand your needs. And Kate, in your response, you've now turned your answer and weaponized it Yeah, about something Mike that's did very wrong. true. Yeah. Are you getting anywhere with this? No. Why are you doing it then? I don't know. Think about it. Why did you just answer his very genuine question with your response? I feel like I need to protect myself because even though it wasn't an attack, it was just asking me genuinely, like, what are your needs? It feels really uncomfortable to even know what my needs are. Why? Because I've never even made myself a priority. Why not? I don't feel like I deserve it. Where do you think that comes from? Really deep-seated belief from my childhood. That growing up, I felt like every move I made wasn't for me. It was for my mom. 
You still in touch with your mom? Yeah. Sometimes not willingly. <laughs> You're in therapy also, right? Just had therapy today and this was our uh, main con- conversation. So <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Has that been helping? Yeah, Good. a lot. Are you doing that solo or are you doing it jointly? Right now we're both solo and we are have been both doing solo therapy. I've been in about three months. Mike's been doing it for about two months and we feel like we're ready to start doing couples. Great. I'm really happy to hear that. You know, I'm always happy to hear that people who come on the show are seeing a therapist. And you'll notice that once she mentioned it, I backed off of the topic of her mom because that's between Kate and her therapist. One thing I do want to point out is how I think this podcast fits into the world of self-development and mental health, including therapy. First off, I'm not a therapist. I have seen a therapist, and on this show, I frequently recommend that lots of guests go and see one as well. I think that we have a lot of options when it comes to improve ourselves. We can get books, we can listen to podcasts, we can hire coaches and trainers and therapists, but the honest truth is that most people won't hire a therapist. It's expensive. It's hard to find one. And worst of all, therapy is stigmatized in our country, which is exactly why I like to talk about it so openly. I think there are different levels of help that we can all use. Some of us start with an audiobook. Others join a coaching program. Many people start listening to this podcast thinking they have some esoteric financial problem only to realize that they actually need more ongoing help from a therapist. Great to all of those situations. I want to always be honest about who I am and what I do and where my circle of competence starts and ends. And I want to give a big thank you to all the therapists who listen to this show and send me your notes. I appreciate you and support the important work that you do. A few years ago, I was at a tea tasting in New York with one of my buddies. I thought it was going to be a normal tea tasting. Suddenly, six people from Japan come in. They pour basically three thimblefuls of tea and we taste it. I've never tasted anything like that. And they tell us, if we were to buy that, just the three thimblefuls, it would be $75. Now, drop for drop, that's the most expensive thing I've ever had to drink. Not all of us have the time or the money to buy that specific tea from that specific mountainside in Japan. But what if you could capture that feeling of the care and the love, even the way that they served it to us? What if you could bring that to your home every morning? Well, I want to introduce you to one of our newest sponsors, Peak Tea. What makes peak tea special is that the tea is cold extracted using only wild harvested leaves from 250-year-old tea leaves. That makes the tea rich in minerals and other beneficial compounds. Now, the greatest part is that peak tea is zero prep. There's no tea bag that you have to steep for the perfect amount of time. Peak dissolves in cold or hot water in seconds. It's already pre-measured, it's perfectly brewed, and it's perfect to take if you travel. My team's been trying peak tea, and they especially love the Pu'er green teas. For a limited time, get up to 15% off and a free quiver with 12 tea samples with my link, peaklife.com slash Ramit. That's P-I-Q-U-E-L-I-F-E dot com slash Ramit, R-A-M-I-T. I like companies that find innovative ways to save money and then they pass those savings along to you. Take Mint Mobile, one of our sponsors. Unlike other wireless companies, they decided to ditch retail stores and all those overhead costs, and they passed those savings along to you. For a limited time, they're passing on even more savings with a new customer offer that cuts all Mint Mobile plans to $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. I had one of my coworkers test out Mint Mobile. She said the service was identical to her existing Verizon account. So if the service is the same, switching to premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month is a no-brainer. Now you'll notice on this show, I recommend to couples ways to cut their fixed costs. If you can dramatically cut your fixed costs on say wireless, that is one way that you can take that money, pay off debt faster, spend it on guilt-free spending, or invest it aggressively. Go to mintmobile.com slash Ramit. That's mintmobile.com slash Ramit. Cut your wireless bill to $15 a month at mintmobile.com slash Ramit. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Kate, I'm sure that you'll 
be spending a lot of time with your therapist discussing these things. I don't want to impede on that at all in terms of your parental upbringing. But I'm very curious from here moving forward, what are the effects of the way that you treat money on your relationship with Mike? So what came up in therapy today was that this fear just ends up coming out as anger. And it's just constant anger. Mike, you feel that? Yeah. Yeah. And I feel resented just like the loans. Mm. That's interesting. And Kate, do you want that? No. Okay. What do you want? What type of relationship would you want with Mike? More compassionate and more loving and more open. I love those descriptions. Would you be willing to try to embody those for a minute or two right now with me? Yeah. Okay. Mike, can you ask that same question again? And this time, Kate, give me those three words that you're going to embody again. Compassionate, loving, and open. Beautiful. Go ahead, Mike. What are your needs and how can we help you get there? I need to feel enough. need to feel important and like I matter I feel really resentful that you have cut back on working so much and I feel like me and the baby aren't important part of me feels really resented because even though you knew about my debt like my debt doesn't matter. And that I'm just a burden. My debt and me are a burden. I understand why you would feel like your debt and you are a burden, but I would like to know how I can make you feel like enough. And why you feel so little and so small? That's a good question. Um, I don't really know exactly why I feel so small. I think a lot of it has nothing to do with you. And at the same time, it all does. Because I found somebody that kept recreating the beliefs I already have about myself. And I've never felt like I was important. Even when it comes down to that stupid bachelor party, I still don't feel important. What would feeling important look like? When I ask for something, actually listening and honoring it. I've been asking for help bringing in more income for months and it hasn't happened. And that feels really stressful. Can I step in for a second? Yeah. Okay. Thank you for this conversation. It feels honest. It does feel open. So I really appreciate that. I want to recognize both of you. Mike, Kate has mentioned the income part of this equation. Is that a fair assessment, what she's saying, that your income hasn't gone up and you could if you wanted to? I definitely have brought, been bringing in less and it's been with the intention and I've made this clear to find better ways to bring in money in ways that make me happier. and. I have started the side hustle, the dog boarding thing, and that's brought in some money. And I've also started, I've got another job lined up and I have have things coming. I just feel like it might be not enough. I have heard you that you need more money and that we need more money as a family. You all know how much you need? 
or is this just uh, more? Well, after looking at the conscious spending plan and filling it out, we got really discouraged because it was a significant amount more, more than I would be able to make just working in a restaurant, being a chef. And that's why I've branched off and cut back the hours to try to find other ways to bring in that amount of money. Okay. So to answer my question again, what's the number you need? Kate has it. It is curious to me as Kate's pulling this up that Mike, you don't know the amount that you are quote supposed to bring in. Kate knows it. Do you find that curious? Yeah. I think I was, when we first filled out that contra spending plan, it was like, holy crap, that's more money than I could bring in. So then it just became one of those, like, I'm not even going to look at it things. So both of you do this thing where when the news gets bad, you just ignore it? Uh, I used to not do it as much. Why now? Is it that all the savings went away to the house? Yeah. I guess I used to always do it. Yeah. I think I just wasn't aware. I don't believe you. I don't believe you changed. Oh, I spent all my money on a house and suddenly I changed. I don't believe that. Okay, at least you're honest. Yeah. Yeah. So let me get this straight. Both of you have ignored money for a long time, and now you're surprised that you're in this situation. Does that surprise you? I don't know if I'm surprised. Yeah, not really surprised. I'm not really surprised, but I think it's now compounding where it's like, okay, this is an issue now. Well, it was always an issue. You just didn't know it. It was always an issue. We kind of knew it. We just pretended it wasn't and that it would hopefully get better without consciously making it better. Can I tell you though? I think you're both still doing that. Yeah. 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 It makes a lot of sense. Okay. So you're both still ignoring the problems here. All right. Kate, you pull that number up. Yeah, so net we would have to both jointly pull in twelve thousand dollars a month. You're pulling in seven thousand gross. So you need a lot <laughs> more money. Is basically what... a lot more money. Yeah. All right. So so let me see if I can state this in a different way. You both calculated your numbers. You realized you need a lot more money in order to effectively what cover your expenses. What else? Cover our expenses. Save money. Mm-hmm. both in long-term investments and short-term investments, as well as have our own spending money. Uh, what about the debt? Oh, the debt. I mean, yeah, sorry. That was, yeah, fixed costs, which include debt. And you, so since you realistically didn't see any path to that, you basically just got discouraged and nothing has changed. Yeah, because neither one of us has ever made that much money or come close to it. So it feels like a completely unreachable goal. Yeah, I could see that. Can't feel good to see that the number you would need comfortably is higher than anything you two have ever made jointly. Yeah. Yeah. And you got the house, you got the baby, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So your conclusion is what? We both shut down. Yeah. What would be a different way if you were confident and competent? What would you do? Rise to the occasion. How? I honestly don't know. Mike, do you have any ideas? Stop doing what I'm doing and do something different. Definitely not just keep doing the same thing. And that's why I've cut back and looking at other avenues. Yeah. Um. I still think the other avenues are like not super viable. Um, Oh, good. Let's crush each other's (laughs) dreams while we're talking about what it would look like to be confident and competent. You're right. You guys love the pattern, don't you? (sighs) Clearly. Yeah. I think encouraging both of you, both encouraging myself and encouraging him instead of tearing down would be a huge benefit and definitely a confidence booster than a confidence deflator. Which is definitely what we both do to each other right now. It's not It's not healthy. good. No. no. How can you do this with the two of you and you're about to incur more stress than you've ever had in your life with a baby? Yeah. 
I'm terrified. <laughs> Are you terrified enough to make a change? Yeah. Kate? That pause tells me everything I need to know. I, yeah. People who are ready to make a change say, I will do anything. I don't think I will. That's honest. You won't because why? Um, you know, I was going to say because I'm not willing to sacrifice being happy. And at the same time, I'm not happy right now. So I guess it's not really... If I were to break it down, it doesn't, my thought process doesn't actually make sense. But the way that like I see being able to make up that difference is having, is working like 60 to 80 hours. And I'm like, I just won't, I'm not going to do that. That sounds miserable to me. So there's like some things I'm willing to do and some things I'm just not because we've both worked 80 hour weeks before working in restaurants and it sucked, even though like it just didn't feel fulfilling. Like I wasn't doing anything else with my life except for working. I had savings. I had the money. We were able to go on a two-month road trip across the country and have plenty of money to spend. Sure. But my day-to-day sucked. So it's like, am I willing to sacrifice everything just to like have more money? No, I'm not. You're being really honest with me. My job here is to help people as far as they want to be helped. Candidly, I don't get the sense that you're really willing to make a change right now. I mean, you just said it point blank. I think that you have some stories you tell yourself. One of the stories being that if you were to save money, you have to work 80 hours a week. I don't find that to be true, but you have convinced yourself that that is the only way as a mechanism against change. And Kate, I can't help if you're not ready to change. Mike, I can't help if you're not ready to be direct in what you need with Kate. If you're checked out, nothing I can do to make you care. And so I really want for the two of you to be successful, especially with a baby on the way. But I don't think that I can do anything to help you at this point. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. I wish you both the best. Thanks for listening to I Will Teach You To Be Rich. I'm Ramit Sethi. Please follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't read I Will Teach You To Be Rich, my book, pick up a copy. You can get it at any bookstore or any library, and it will show you the specific tactics for how to build the I Will Teach You To Be Rich system into your personal finances.